Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. My name is Josh Lyons. I've been listening to Hardcore and Punk since 1995. I have book shows, put out a fanzine, run a record label, and now I'm doing a podcast. This is the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 15. As always, you can find the podcast at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. There you will find all streaming information as well as all social media links. Today we have Jesse Moscato from Buffalo on the episode. Uh, Jesse has played drums for a, a good chunk of bands in Buffalo over the years, and we'll dive into that real soon. But uh, before we do that, how's everything going for you tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing the best I can, uh, considering the state of affairs in the world, but I'm making do. This will be fun. So, yeah, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Nice day out today. Got a little skateboarding in. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I don't know about there, but the temperature here is perfect today. And and what's interesting is is like when I first started doing these interviews, it was kind of like uh you know we're having this quarantine thing, so I, I kind of you know get to everybody together and start talking about the old days and stuff like that and, and connect the dots with with you know back then and now. But even from from when I started doing these podcasts, like things have gotten like crazy world, which which obviously you know I'll get to in a little bit. But it's just crazy. Like I've only been doing this for like two months, and like how much has changed in that amount of time, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, the world moves pretty fast. It doesn't slow down for anything, for a virus, for for nothing. So you just have to kind of keep pace with it and hopefully make it through the flames, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I guess we'll get to all that in a little bit. But uh, first, let's kind of take a step back a little bit and uh, tell me about your upbringing and kind of how you ended up finding like punk and hardcore and all that stuff. I mean, my upbringing was pretty standard. Uh you know, I was, I lived in the city of Buffalo when I was pretty young. And, and then we moved over to uh, Amherst to a duplex. And I kind of had a lot of very silly babysitters in the 80s who were very into hair metal and metal and stuff like that. And um, But I had a very good friend of mine, uh, or I should say a good friend of my dad's, who introduced me to Iron Maiden in like 1987. So I'd have been nine or 10 years old. Um, And that was really cool because then I was looking at like Eddie instead of like Aerosmith. And I was like, wow, this is like way fucking cooler. You know, like these guys are lame, even though, you know, to this day, a lot of that classic rock stuff uh, I still love dearly. Um, regardless if anybody uh, likes it or not. But um, punk and hardcore, honestly, um, I think I transitioned into that like when I started skateboarding in middle school. And uh, I think the biggest thing for me was that, like, obviously we're finding skateboarding and the Bones Brigade, and there was a lot of really cool punk and hardcore soundtracks and um, I had a, a friend of mine who I skated with a lot and his older brother and a guy named Sean Nugent, uh, I don't remember what we were listening to, but we were listening to something in Tim's bedroom and, and, uh, and his brother gave me bold speak out and I was, let me put it in the cassette deck and, and this was even having like discovered a little bit of that heavier stuff when we were skateboarding. Like, I think it was already into like the misfits and like the Jesus and Mary chain and maybe suicidal tendencies at the time and stuff like that. But, um, when I got bold, it just opened up a whole new door because 
The lyrics were different. They were intriguing. It was just so much different than metal, which was like, you know, about fairies and wizards, which was cool. You know, I like Dio and guys like that, but it was a little silly, you know? And uh, so that was how I got into punk and hardcore was skateboarding and my uh, my buddy Tim's older brother, Sean Nugent, who was like really good friends with like all the Snapcase guys and from what I remember anyway. Um, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, it's cool that you still have the memory from that with how many years ago it obviously was at this point. And it's interesting because like most of the people I've interviewed for this, like when I ask them that question, it's it's one or the other. They usually got into metal first or they got into skateboarding. And it seems like you kind of had like the best of both worlds at that point then. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I still love metal and I listen to tons of metal and death metal and grindcore and thrash and, you know, but like I said, I think the thing that intrigued me the most about punk and hardcore was just the, the insatiable raw energy and the, the, the vocals and the lyrics and just the way guys were not up there in tight pants singing about just basically garbage, you know, like, and you listen to any Iron Maiden song and you're just like, oh, this is so corny. Like, like, this is dumb. The music is great. Even bands like Slayer, like, I can go back and listen to Hell Awaits and you're like, I love this album, but the lyrics are so stupid. And, uh, but, you know, you listen to a Gorilla Biscuits album or a Dag Nasty album or a Tony Porn album and, and, uh, and there's just something that you can hold in your heart and you can, like, totally relate to it and, and just, you know, you can find a lot of peace through lyrics that you can really relate to and, um, and that's what I think has always been the best part about punk and hardcore is uh, the vibe you get back and forth like that. And, and the, just that intense energy that people bring together when you're creating music or going to shows and stuff like that, you know? And I think that's why I've, I've stuck with punk and hardcore for all these years is because it, it still means that to me, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm somebody who... I guess I kind of had the opposite. Like I didn't really listen to a lot of metal growing up. I actually was more of like a like a rap kid growing up. It's like I was. I think I'm a few years younger than you. I was, I was born like '81, so like the early '90s. I was pretty into like all the rap stuff that was coming out, and then you know, punk kind of was starting to blow up because of like bands like Green Day and Rancid, and that's kind of what turned me on to it. And then I pretty quickly found hardcore, and it's pretty similar to you. Like I just the, the lyrics and the energy and the aggression, which was exactly what I needed at the time. Um, but I guess. Oh, were you already playing music at that time, or, or when did you first start playing like like instruments and stuff like that? I would say basically like any standard kid, you know, when you're in elementary school, they they kind of hand you the thing, and they're like, "All right, little Johnny, what do you want to play?" And um, my dad is a guitar player. Um, he's a been a lead guitar player since you know the '60s. You know, the Beatles were what made my dad want to play guitar, and. Um, I think ultimately my father is what made me want to play music because, uh, yeah, you were born in 81. That's the same year my brother was born. I was born in 77. Um, but in the eighties, my dad was playing out so much still. He's literally playing out four or five nights a week. And, um, and when you're a little kid and you're just starting to dive into music and stuff like that, when I'm like six or seven years old, I see my dad walking out the door every night with this guitar in his hand. And, you know, he's like bigger than God to me. He's like a hero, you know, I'm like, Oh, my dad's so cool. You know? 
And um, and my mom used to take us out to see him once in a while. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing ever. You know, people clapping and cheering and my dad up there ripping solos. And, and I just thought it was amazing. So um, I started playing drums in probably fourth grade. I didn't really get a drum set until about eighth grade. Um, but But that's also when I was definitely more getting into like really learning and liking band um outside of what i had learned from like i said my my kooky 80s babysitters and whatever my mom and dad are into my dad my mom and dad are into tons of amazing music so i love most of the stuff that they're into as well um and then yeah so about eighth grade i really started like trying to play the drum set and uh but I just wanted to beat the crap out of them, you know. I didn't want to really – I took private lessons a little bit and, you know, read this and read that. And I was like, no, man, I just want to beat the shit out of them, you know. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I started, you know. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. It's really cool that you had the, you know, the family aspect of, of them kind of bringing up with music and stuff because I have a two-year-old son now whose name is actually Hendrix. And like my girlfriend's more into like the '60s, like Beatles type stuff, and and I'm obviously more into like punk and hardcore and hip hop. So it's cool to kind of give him like like the best of both worlds and kind of introducing him to everything. Um, but so I guess um, when you and I were kind of going over the notes for this interview and kind of talking about your your previous bands, um, I don't think I've ever really heard of No Joke, which is interesting because like I think you guys were around the same time as bands like Zero Tolerance and um it looks like you joined the band a little bit later because i found out some information about the band online when i was researching it so i guess what can you tell me about that band they were a pretty i would say fairly popular um local hardcore band dennis merrick from earth crisis obviously was from what i know their original drummer and um they would have been around i want to say probably in the late 80s going into i think we officially called it in like 94 maybe 95 and i want to say 94 um they they were just they were like a like a local kind of hardcore band definitely more in the vein of like 80s style hardcore they played a ton of big shows around here um i don't really think that they did a lot of traveling and then obviously dennis having the chance to to join earth crisis was huge and uh thank god for that for all of us um but I was in 10th grade and I went in the home of the hits and there was this big giant poster on the wall. And they had Dennis's face crossed off on the poster and it said, this could be you. And it had all the little tabs on the bottom to, to call them, you know, and, uh, it, by 10th grade, you know, I still sucked at drums pretty good, but, uh, I really wanted to be in a band. So being the shit that I am, I took the whole fucking poster off the wall <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I took it home and, and I called them and they came over to my dad's house and, um, and I learned the, uh, the seven inch songs the best I could. And, and I got in the band and, you know, to me, these guys were already like, I guess in my own eyes in Buffalo, like big time. And, um, but we played a few cool shows and we did a little bit of traveling and we recorded like a little cassette tape demo in 93. And um, 
But it definitely wasn't like what their old stuff sounded like. It was like the singer, Justin, was definitely kind of like, I, I, I got to be honest with you, like, like new metal and like that whole like fusion of like hip hop and metal, which obviously bands like Anthrax did it and stuff like that. But, um, and MOD and bands like that. But, uh, Justin wanted to kind of have that sound, you know, and I don't want to say he was like rapping, but it was sort of rapping, but it was before that like corn and all that stuff even broke. And, um, I don't, I don't really think it was very good. It was cool. I got to record in a real studio for the first time. And, um, but then we, uh, we changed the band name to dead time. And then we went up to this studio in Toronto called metalworks, which was a really nice studio and actually recorded an EP. And, uh, I want to say we probably did that in 94 and I had gotten better at drums but still not super good but those guys were really good musicians uh greg and rob the bass player rob harris was not the original bass player though but i'm pretty sure greg gonzalez was the original guitar player and um i definitely got better playing with those guys because rob was a really tight like finger playing bass player so he kind of made me like analyze aspects of songs that i really wasn't before you know and i think that it takes playing with good musicians before you can really hone in on those, those dynamics of, of being in a band. And, um, but then we just, we just broke up and like those guys were a lot older than me. I was 15 when I joined that band and I'm pretty sure they were all in their early twenties already. And, uh, they were going off to college and doing stuff like that. And, and they want to, I think Greg and Rob are lawyers now. And Justin is like big time A&R rep out in LA. And so they all, they all went on to pretty lucrative things, you know, and, and I didn't. I just wanted to play music. Yeah, there's definitely nothing wrong with that, though. Uh, it sounds like, like you said, that was a pretty good first experience for you to kind of like cut your teeth with, with like playing music and, and kind of getting on the road with bands a little bit and recording and stuff. Um, so after that was Despair. Did now were you in the original lineup of Despair, or did you, or how did that work out? No. But I want to backtrack here because this is an interesting story, and and my 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 timeline might be wrong with this, but I'm gonna say that it's not. Um, so this is just a little flashback thing. Um, I have been friends with Jay Galvin, uh, guitar player for Pure Heel and also Slugfest and Scott Vogel's brother, um, stepbrother. Um, but I mean, they, they, they grew up together, you know, and Jay was dating this girl that I was pretty good friends with in high school. And um, I'm pretty sure that in like 1992, Jay and myself and Scott and my buddy Justin, who I used to use like my bedroom jamming buddy, we all tried to start a band. And um, it may not have been 92. I could be completely fucked on that. It may have been 94. Um, but uh, no, that's impossible. And I'll tell you why that's impossible. Because Kurt Cobain killed himself in 94. And Jay and I and Dara, who was his girlfriend at the time, and Scott 
well, Scott didn't go with us, but myself, Jay, his girlfriend, Dara, and my little brother all went to see Nirvana in 93. So at that point, I was already friends with Jay because I was a huge Slugfest fan. And um, and I, I think Slugfest was like right around that breaking up time, maybe. I don't remember the year, but um, but we tried to start this little band before I was in No Joke. And, um, and it didn't really work out because, you know, I think I sucked and it just, you know, whatever. It didn't work out, but... um. Anyways, that's my little backstory before No Joke. Um, so I've been friends with Jay and Scott for a very long time. Um, and they are two of my favorite people uh, ever. But, um, yeah, Despair. Um, no, Phil Popilski, uh, who was in Against All Hope, he was the original drummer. I guess to backtrack a little bit then, um, when I was talking to Ruben last week, or I guess it was two weeks ago now, but I think I aired the episode last week. My, my timeline's messed up now from working and doing all these episodes, but um, we were talking about like bands that we hadn't seen. And I mentioned that Nirvana was a band that I really would have loved to have seen. And, and my sister is actually at the concert that I'm, that I'm guessing you're talking about if it was in Buffalo, because I think they only played Buffalo once. Um, but like, I guess, I guess the question I would have for you is like, what was that experience like? Was Nirvana like a band you were really into at the time or? Absolutely. I mean, it was the 90s. We were young. It was, you know, like, I it was 93, so by that time, I had already been listening to punk and hardcore for, like, four or five years. And, um, and, but they were, I mean, I don't know too many people who grew up right in the thick of that. You yourself included, because even my little brother, who was your age, um, he went with us like he was insistent on going. And my mom was like, oh, you have to take care of him. You know, you have to watch him. And, you know, I left his ass in the stands most of the night while I was like running down to the crowd to go crazy. Um, and 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 Jay and <laughs> Dara and myself definitely <laughs> smoked a bunch of weed in the car with my little <laughs> uh, just ter- terrible influence you know um and uh and that was also the night that i uh that i discovered the band fish who i like some of the early stuff um but jay was really into them the early stuff and uh which i haven't honestly listened to them in a very long time but the really early fish stuff is pretty jammy you know but jay's always been into that stuff he's a big grateful dead fan and stuff like that which is Awesome, because that just gave me even more things to look at and to discover as far as music and influences and different styles. And that's what I love about Jay, because he's, he's very well-rounded. The dude listens to so much stuff, and um, he's always been one of my go-to guys to just be like, I'm bored, give me something new, you know? Uh, but yeah, that concert was, I mean, it was on the In Utero tour. I don't know if they played here on the Nevermind tour. I don't remember. I think I feel like Nirvana played the Continental once, like maybe in the 80s, late 80s. Um, but yeah, I was a huge Nirvana fan. Um, still am to this day. I love them. And uh, I had a very good buddy of mine in high school. And uh, his older sister was like, you know, a very cool, like she was super into like underground, like indie music and a lot of that sub pop stuff. And, and uh, he and I definitely he gave me bleach before nevermind even came out um because his sister had it because she was just into that stuff you know and uh 
So I love Nirvana. I wasn't really into the uh, the boredoms and the meat puppets. Um, the sound was absolutely awful. It was at Alumni Arena. It was super bassy and boomy. But um, that was in November of '93, uh, and um, I had j- it was like not that far after my birthday. I had just turned 16, and uh, and then April '94, he supposedly killed himself. So, but uh, yeah, I'm glad to I'm glad that I went because I even have a lot of friends that are my age that didn't go, you know. But there's a lot of concerts from that time that I also didn't go to that I I wish I had gone to myself, you know. Yeah, I'm sure we all have have uh, you know shows we look back on now that that didn't seem like a big deal at the time, and now we're like, oh man, I wish I would have gone to that. Um, and I guess we'll talk more about Jay Galvin a little bit, obviously with Pure Heel, but. He's someone that's kind of come up on this podcast quite a bit because obviously most of the Buffalo people that I've interviewed have somewhat of a connection with him. And I've talked about getting him on a future episode because, as you've been kind of alluding to already, I'm sure he'd have a lot of pretty cool stuff to say and talk about. So he's, he's definitely somebody that's on my back burner to get on here in like August or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't do it. I think he would I think he would have a blast with it. Yeah, definitely. So I guess we'll jump back into despair then. So, so it sounds like you had joined the band uh, after they'd already formed. Do you remember like kind of like what what year and like what record they were on? Like when you when you actually joined the band? Yes, the uh, the demo was out, um, which I had that, and then the One Thousand Cries seven inch was out, um, and I also had that. So, um, I mean, I was friends with Scott. Uh, I knew Phil from Against All Hope, who was a phenomenal band, uh, one of Buffalo's uh, most overlooked bands. Just, you know, the Papilski brothers are, are such talented dudes and um, and uh, and just, you know, super nice guys. And uh, I haven't seen Phil in a long time, um, but Dean is, uh, is just such a, a stand-up dude and such a great musician um so yeah i mean i guess uh I, i'm pretty sure it was uh they played it was the Snapcase show at uh blind melons and then i don't know why dean got kicked out or left the band but um i didn't really know matt and brian uh, matt dente and brian fligger um they were in Redline, but uh but I didn't really know them and, um, and no joke was done. And like I said, I was already friends with Scott and Jay and, and, uh, I don't even remember how they got a hold of me. I, I'm somebody must've remembered that I was in no joke or something, but, uh, same thing, you know, I just, uh, I, I learned the songs and, uh, and they came down to my dad's basement and, and, uh, and I played and, and then that was it, you know. Oh, I mean, and then obviously Joe Garlip too, um, who is an incredibly awesome guitar player. Uh, but I knew Garlip from because uh, we used to all go skateboarding together. Me and Garlip and Larry Ransom and Ranger and all these Buffalo dudes. And uh, so I knew, I knew Garlip. I knew Scott Sprague already. And you know, I mean, because I was going to hardcore shows, so. I already knew all those people just from going to shows, you know, I wasn't actively in a band after no joke, but I still, though, that was, you know, that was it, man. That was the thick of it. That was, that was our time. So, uh, I don't know. I don't remember how they got a hold of me. I have no idea. Um, somebody must've called my house or something, but yeah. So no, it was 95 for sure. 
because I was I was a senior in high school. Despair was probably one of the first bands that that I kind of got into with within like the hardcore scene. I, I think I saw them play like probably about three times. Um, I, I'm guessing you're probably already in the band by then. Obviously, then it was there was like a New Year's Eve show in Buffalo with like them and Battery and a couple other bands, and then and obviously the first uh, Syracuse three day fest. Uh, they, I think they even closed that closed that show out with like Ape Reed and, and some other bands. Um, and then there was there's a funny story too. There there was a show here that you guys were supposed to play with uh, One King Down and some other bands. I don't know if you remember that show at all, but it was like in a loft apartment, and like one of the guys from One King Down had like a, a full stack and like it, it like broke the window. And so they 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 said the show couldn't happen again after that. And and Scott wanted to have Despair play in like a freight elevator or some shit, if I remember correctly. Yep. I don't remember any of that at all. <laughs> I completely remember that. Um, I feel like did that freight elevator show happen? I don't think so. I vaguely remember Scott kind of arguing with somebody about about them wanting to play, and then he was like, "Dude, you guys can't play in a fucking freight elevator." Now we left. We went to go get food at like a diner afterwards. So it's possible that maybe you guys ended up playing after we left. But it, it, to us, it didn't seem like you guys were going to play. And I was pretty young at the time, so I was like, no, "But I, I remember that. I remember the whole one king down thing. Um, not in a negative way, but like you know, shit happens. We played a lot of shows with one king down." Um, all the time, you know, we were, we were pretty, pretty tight with those guys. You know, Rob Fusco was a super fun guy to hang out with. And, uh, you know, we played shows with them. Um, at least from what I remember, we, we played a lot of shows with them and they were always a lot of fun. You know, they had that awesome intro kids used to lose their shit over. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, we never, we never had a super rad intro. <laughs> um, intros are where it's at, man. You gotta have a solid intro, get that crowd hyped up. Yeah, there's there's yeah. definitely been some bands that have had some good ones over the years too. So, um, but do you have any other good good memories of, of despair or anything like that? I mean, yeah, you know, we we had a lot of fun. Um, we uh, we played a lot, we toured a lot, and um, we were all goofballs. And uh, that was uh, you know a very good band for me to like to learn what like actually being on the road was about and like having to deal with like the stresses of like being in a touring band and not getting paid or not making any money and, or making money and, you know, not knowing what to do with it. And I never really saw a lot of that end of it. You know, I was like, I was pretty young, man. You know, I was, uh, I was just, I was just playing drums, but you know, it was, it was good times and bad times. Um, and I think that uh, everybody from that band is definitely on uh, on good terms, without a doubt. Um, but uh, I ended up, I mean, <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that I got let go from the band. Other people will say otherwise, but um, I remember the day it happened. I remember where it happened. And... Um, from what I remember, uh, they apparently were questioning my commitment to the band because of my, my girlfriend at the time, um, which was like weird because when we went to Europe, like my girlfriend was definitely like trying to break up with me while we were in Europe and um, which really pissed me off. I don't know. It was like a fucking it was just so dumb, but she did not But, you know, and then she was kind of like up to no good anyway. 
blah, 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 blah. It was all, you know, my high school girlfriend who gives a shit at this point. But um, nevertheless, it, it had some weird effect on the band. And uh, and I'm pretty sure that they were like, well, you're like, you're too into your girlfriend or something. It's a long time ago. And I kind of remember being like, are you like, like, what does that mean? Like, I've never missed a single show. Like, I've never missed a show ever, ever. Never canceled the show. And so I don't know. But they went on like a couple more tours after that. And uh, and then they ended up breaking up anyway. So I don't know even if I had stayed in the band. If I don't know how much longer it would have lasted anyway, you know. But it was a good experience. I think we put out some okay music and some pretty good music. I think the band uh, definitely got better as time trucked on. That Kill EP that they put out. Um, which was when Jimmy Penku was in the band, um, was super awesome. And uh, I ha- I'm i on like two songs on that, like older recorded ones. But I mean, Penku was like a monster, dude. He was in Zero Tolerance and shit. I mean, he was just an infinitely fucking better drummer than I was. Um, but that's just, uh, you know, Jimmy Penku, he got real squirrely and, uh, and then they, they broke up. Yeah, I was actually at that last show at the Mercury Theater. I mean, I remember there was being a shitload of people there, and, and it had a pretty solid lineup, too. And I guess not long after that, Buried Alive uh, formed. And obviously, I think anybody from this area, as well as probably most parts of the country, were familiar with them if they were into hardcore at the time. Um, now, were you in the in the, in the first incarnation of that band then? or? Yes. Well, to backtrack for a second, yeah, that last Mercury Theater show, that Despair show... Um was awesome i was obviously there and um i that's when hydro was like playing guitar for despair um from turmoil and i'm pretty sure they only had one guitar player at that point i don't quite remember but i mean they went through a lot of goofy stuff like over the last tail end of that band um even when we went to europe like joe garlop couldn't make it and jim winter uh from conviction he filled in over there and so it was kind of like a, a weird, like, weird revolving door there for a hot minute. But, um, yeah, I really, uh, I wanted to get up there and play at least, like, <laughs> one song at that last show, but uh, it didn't happen. Um, but it, nevertheless, I still had a good time, and I was, I'm sure I was, you know, moving around like a wild banshee. Um, yeah, Buried Alive. Um, I mean, oh, yeah, and little tidbit here. <laughs> Matt Roberts from Buried Alive was also in despair. But he uh, he wasn't in the band very long. He was in the band for a short period of time. Um, some things went down on tour that were kind of not cool. And, uh, and he got released of his duties. Let's just put it that way. But <laughs> nevertheless, when the band broke up... Um, we were all kind of just sitting around going tweedly do, tweedly dumb. And um, I mean, Joe and Matt had been in Hourglass, which was another, you know, very cool, well-known, popular, uh, kind of a lot more like chaos, noisy type band. You know, Matt always had a really uh, warped mind for writing music. So he wrote, wrote a lot of uh, very cool stuff. And I'm sure that there were other dudes in the band writing as well. But um but yeah, Matt Roberts from Bear Live uh, was in despair for a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I I started Buried Alive. 
that was I started that band with Matt and Joe because none of us were really doing anything from what I remember and I just Matt and I started talking on the phone and I was like well let's start a band like I know that you got kicked out at spare but whatever I got kicked out too so who fucking cares? <laughs> and uh and we just started talking and I remember sitting in my my parents house on the phone you know the old dial phone and or whatever the uh push button phone and i'm like laying in my bed at night and his lights are off and matt and i are just like talking about starting a band and uh so yeah i definitely was there right from the get-go and uh it was me matt and joe that started the band but i'm pretty sure that i am the one that uh incited the uh idea for it yeah and that band picked up steam pretty quickly i i think the first time i actually saw buried alive was at the uh i still don't think it was called hellfest quite yet and and funny story about that uh it was 98 in auburn and my friends and i actually rode bikes from rochester to syracuse with auburn basically um for that fest and you know it was cool seeing buried alive for the first time because again you guys had only been a band for what like three or four months at the time and you're already getting like a pretty pretty good reaction at the time you know i mean it definitely picked up steam quick. Uh, it was me, Matt, and Joe, and we had already written a handful of things, but we needed a singer. And um, and I really was like, I was like, we got to get Scott, you know? Like, he's the fucking best. Like, I don't give a shit what anybody says, man. He's, you know, he's the man. He's just awesome. And uh, But he was doing a band with Scott Sprigg at the time. And, uh, and Sprig Sprig was in union, uh, with Mike Jeffers and, uh, all those, uh, dudes. And, um, Scott's thing was like, well, I have this band with Sprig and if I come, he has to come too. And I was already friends with Sprig. Um, you know, we, we used to skateboard together a lot and, um, you know, so I, I, didn't have any problems with it. And uh, obviously Despair did a lot of shows with Union and touring with Union. So um, definitely wasn't a problem at all. And that was the deal. Scott came and um, the other Scott had to come with him. And I think I distinctly remember like talking to Scott when I was trying to get him in the band. And he was telling me about the band he was doing with uh, Sprig. And I was like, yeah. I was like, nope, you need to be in this fucking band. Like this <laughs> is going to be really, really, really fucking good. Like, I need you in the band. It's going to be awesome. And, um, which is probably just me just trying to talk them up. But, um, so, yeah, we all started jamming and, you know, same thing at my dad's uh, house. And I remember when they, when they got their dual rectifiers and stuff and their Mesa cabs or whatever they had. And it got so loud. And my dad finally, like, threw us out. He was like, all right, you know what? This is starting to get, like, really, really loud, and you guys need to get a practice space. And we did, and we went to the music mall like every other band in Buffalo. And, man, we used to practice four or five days a week. It was insane. We just were just there constantly. And um, and it was pretty, like, you know, like, we were pretty serious about it. There was, like, no fucking being late and no canceling practice. And, of course, I was the asshole that was always late and shit like that. And, you know, 
I kind of had a reputation for being a little flaky back in the day. And I was, you know, admittedly so, you know, I'd be late or not call and, you know, just being stupid and irresponsible. And I'm not like that in any way, shape and form now. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we had that show in Auburn and we had a two song demo and, and basically we went down and played that crazy fest in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, I think that the fact that we had despair and slugfest and stuff like that under our belts certainly helped the, uh, the vibe behind the band. Cause it was like, Oh, this is the dudes from such and such bands. Like, what are they up to? And I think that goes for any dude that was ever in a band that picked up steam or people liked or respected or even hated, you know, even people who hate on a band will still be willing to at least check out what, you know, your, your new thing is up to. And, uh, and you know, people liked Scott, man, and disparated a lot of touring and played a lot of shows with a lot of bands and uh, there was a lot of respect there. So I think it was honestly kind of inevitable that Buried Alive was going to kind of spike right at the beginning. And um, and we played that show, that crazy fest in Louisville, Kentucky. And not shortly after that, you know, we had a lot of record labels that were being presented to us. And, um, and it got kind of serious for a second. It was like real record contracts and lawyers and all this like weird, like, I'm not used to this shit kind of stuff, you know? And, um, and that was that. And we signed with victory. I don't know if that was the best thing we could have done, but it seemed right at the time. And, uh, and then we just proceeded to, to hit it pretty hard, man. Yeah, that was definitely a fun era. And like I said, I, I had gotten into hardcore a couple years before that, but like 99, 2000 is when I really got into it and started doing a lot more stuff. And, that's when I actually kind of met Scott for the first time. I did an interview with him for my old fanzine, The Right Path. And, you know, he's yeah. someone I kept in touch with for many years after. And and I think I've already told you that he's, he's going to be on this podcast shortly after. I'm going to interview him this weekend. So it's, it's kind of cool to see, like, the, the six degrees of separation between all the bands you guys have been in. I mean, I interviewed Kevin Mahoney last night. And as we'll get to in a minute, you were in a band with him, too, you know. So, um, yeah. but, yeah, no, Buried Alive is definitely uh, – you know, I mean, obviously, it's 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 interesting too because Buffalo's had so many like diverse bands that have been well known, and like looking at your catalog of bands that you've been in kind of shows that you know because I mean, you can say Despair and Buried Alive are similar, I guess, but like you've played in a, a pretty a pretty good variety of different sounding bands over the years, you know. Definitely, and um, some you know were uh, some were better than others, and some were. Uh more loved than others and some in my you know mind were uh better for me personally too and some of them were terrible and uh <laughs> we could probably touch on that a little bit <laughs> yeah it's always it's always fun to hear the you know the bad stories as well as the good ones i guess um but i guess with that in mind do you have any other any other good memories of buried alive or any funny like tory stories from being in, from being in that band Oh, tour stories. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I mean, I love all the dudes to death. Um, and the band had a lot of steam. The band did pretty good. They were definitely getting bigger and bigger and were getting bigger tours and stuff like that. But the, 
I mean, we had fun. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was some some shenanigans, you know, shenanigans. I'll just keep it at that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but there was also a lot of fighting and there was a lot of toxicity between the band. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the timeline of the band, they weren't around very long. Um, I quit. I, uh, we went in the studio to do the, uh, the full length and, um, we were there for, I think 18 days and, and I just didn't have a good time, man. I was like miserable and, um, I wasn't getting along with Matt and Joe very well. And, um, and I, I love him to death still, but, uh, I just didn't want to be amongst that vibe anymore. I didn't, I wasn't playing my drums as good as I used to. Um, I wasn't giving it a hundred percent on stage. I did not want to be there. Um, I didn't, you know, and in hindsight, I mean, I look back at it and, you know, I was young and I guess I was being a bit of a bitch and uh, I certainly could have spoke up about it and really made my peace with it. Um, but I think that some of the things that were going on just weren't very comfortable for my mentality. And um, rather than, you know, <sighs> reference all of the bands that we love and find some strength from within to, uh, to have the courage to confront it like a pit bull, um, I quit like an asshole. And, um, and I shouldn't have quit. I just, there's no fucking way I should have quit. I just, uh, I threw away a lot of opportunity. And, uh, and I definitely have, you know, I had a lot of regrets for a long time for giving up some of the stuff that I really wanted to do. And, uh, but I was soft and I think that, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time that was definitely equally as toxic for me. And she was definitely twiddly doing in my ear and, and it just got fucked up, you know, and I quit and I really pissed Scott off and, um, and rightfully so. And, uh. I think he was pretty sour at me for a long time. And uh and thank God we've all mended it. And uh but Scott likes it he likes to stick it to me once in a while. And uh, you know, it's kind of like our, our back and forth thing. And it's fine because we laugh about it. But I shouldn't have quit, but um I mean I'll honestly say that all of the reasons that I quit, um not shortly uh after that when Kevin joined the band, uh it, it got ten times worse. And the infighting just got so bad and attitudes and egos and whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and then they broke up too. And, uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you what I feel like the real reason they broke up is because I really wasn't there, but I've certainly heard plenty of stories. Um, but there was just too many, uh, too many alpha dogs in the band. Let's put it that way. And, um, and it just, it just didn't work out for the band, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but like <sighs> Matt and Joe are incredible musicians and, um, we all made each other infinitely better. Like I don't ever, I don't feel like I even became an actually good drummer until I was in that band. Like where I really knew how to like, play and hit the dynamics so 
we took all that from it and we created some really good music. And then that last rights album um, had some great songs on it too. But, you know, I don't think Scott was very happy at that point. And uh, I think Scott wanted to, to write lyrics about things that he really wanted to write lyrics about. And, you know, I mean, I think that Matt and Joe were giving him a lot of direction on what he should write lyrics about. And, and um, I mean, if you're the singer of a band, it's just like, no, man, I'm the fucking singer. This is my voice. This is what I'm going to write about. And uh, I don't think Scott liked that. I could be wrong. But, you know, if I was a singer, I certainly would wouldn't appreciate that. And, you know, Scott likes to write about what he wants to write about. And I think that's the best quality about him is that he 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 never, ever bullshits around. And he's never, like, faking it. Like, he's always, like, putting his heart out there 100%. And I think that in Buried Alive, that got taken away from him to one aspect. And, uh, and I think it drove him nuts. And um, so all the things that I quit for just ended up being so turbulent that I, that's why he quit. And, you know, and then I think that a lot of us dudes over the long haul, not really me and Scott so much, but the other guys, dude, there was like no communication for a long time. So, yeah, but, um, but whatever, we're putting out some new music, maybe, probably not. <laughs> and we, uh, we played some reunion shows and they were a lot of fun and hopefully we'll get to do a few more. Yeah, I actually had a ticket for the one of the one of the Buffalo shows you guys play, but I like I mentioned earlier in the interview, I have a, a two year old son now, and my girlfriend was like seven or eight months pregnant at the time, and I I think I had just gotten my license. I might be mixing my timeline up now too, but either way, I um I felt really bad going to Buffalo for a hardcore show at the time. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of I mean you, you have kids, so you understand the the deal. You know what I mean? Like once you become a dad, like things definitely change. You know. A hundred percent. And, um, and when we get into the, uh, if we get into any of the heavy hearted stuff, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's where that all went down for me. Um, but yeah, no kids, uh, they make you change, you know, your whole, uh, uh, your whole, uh, operating basis in life, you know, and, um, and that's okay. You know, you have to take it as a positive thing. Some people take it as a negative thing and, you know, um, even myself, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll get into the heavy hearted stuff and how that affected me personally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Buffalo shows were, the second one was awesome. Uh, the second night and, uh, the first one was, uh, well, let's just say that a lot of the reasons why, uh, the band broke up in the first place, some of that was definitely present there on that first night. And, um, and it's a miracle that the second night even fucking happened. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I, yeah, I guess before we dive into Heavy Hearted, though, we'll, we'll talk about Kid Gorgeous for a minute. Um, so, so that band was around for a few years, if my memory serves correctly. And I know I booked at least one show for you guys. I'm not sure if you are in the band at the time. Uh, how long were you in that band for, and what was that like? When did you book a show, and where was it? <laughs> that's a very direct question. Um, it was... I think the year would have been 2001, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was in the Rochester area. It was, it's called the Fairport VFW, and uh, Brothers Keeper played, and a bunch of other bands. It was definitely not a very well attended show. Um, and I I don't even know if Kid Gorgeous was originally on the bill. I think it might have been one of those things where, like, Rap Boy or somebody just kind of hit me up and was like, "Yo, throw Kid Gorgeous on this show," and I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, why not?" You know. 
Yeah, 2001. Ugh. That may have been the year I joined. I don't remember playing a show with Brothers Keeper. Not with Kid Gorgeous, anyway. Um, yeah, the uh, the mighty Rat Boy, Mike Novak. Phenomenal drummer. Only, uh, one of my boys. Love him to death. Um, <laughs> been, been trying to get him to start a band uh, for a long time with me playing guitar and him playing drums. But uh, he's, you know... <laughs> Busy work and family, and and uh, and he's he was doing the uh, live band karaoke stuff, but uh, Kid Gorgeous, um, they were definitely a band in the late '90s, like Bear Alive, and um, I want to say that they started in '98. Uh, they had a million different lineup changes. Um, Ryan Bessaker, uh was the singer, uh, John McCarthy, guitar, Steve Mitchakay, guitar. Uh, they had a bunch of different bass players, uh, Justin Cuviello. Uh, Donnie Lewinsky played drums. Uh, they had, uh, I don't even think, I don't even feel like Mitchakay was originally in the band. I could be wrong. Um but nevertheless, I mean, I'll be dead honest. You know, when they when they first started and they put their first demo out, I was, I wasn't really a fan. I was kind of like, meh, you know. <laughs> but um, and uh, but they were all rad dudes. And um, when I wasn't in BA anymore, um, I really, I mean, man, I I really hadn't been, I didn't do anything for a while, uh maybe jammed with some people and uh i think i was pretty like i was in a weird spot man i was like just in a kind of a tuckus you know mentally and emotionally and life was just kind of really really shitty after that for a while you know my parents got divorced and you know my mom like moved to florida and my dad like moved back to the southern tier and uh you know, I was kind of like homeless for a minute there, like, because they, we definitely didn't have like a, a family home. And I was kind of living with my girlfriend and sleeping on couches and just kind of bebopping around. And, uh, but, um, and I don't even remember somebody got a hold of me and Kid Gorgeous needed a drummer. And I think my first instincts were like, like remembering the demo, you know, and, um, but then they had done like that Red Star comp and, uh, and um with dead to the world and um that definitely had some like cool stuff on it and but their drummer played double bass you know and and i was never a double bass player and uh you know that just the guys that i was influenced by as a drummer were not double bass players and um plus i was a left-handed drummer playing right-handed and uh so it's really goofy to play double bass left-handed when you're setting up right-handed, it, it just didn't work for me, you know? And uh, like I said, all of my favorite drummers played single bass anyway. I thought you could get just as much done and just as powerful with, with one kick drum. So I had to like tell those dudes, like I don't play double bass and, um, you know, let's jam and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, it was a pretty, pretty cool lineup at the time. And we just kind of organically like kind of recreated the band, you know, even some of the old songs with double bass, I, we changed them around and I changed the, 
transitions and changed the arrangements and just made them way more friendly for like my style of playing. And, uh, and yeah, man, it was, it was, it was fucking cool. It felt great to play again. It felt great to be in a band with dudes that like, you know, we all just like got along really good. And, um, and then Eric Baccio, the singer, um, who is still, you know, to this day, like my best fucking dude in the world. Um, he lives in LA, um, but he's just such an awesome dude and he's such a solid stand-up guy and a great friend. And, uh, you know, I know the band has been broken up for a while. We did a bunch of reunion stuff, but, uh, I mean, I have remained so infinitely, uh, close with him, you know, because I just, I love him to pieces. Um, but you know, yeah, we did that and, you know, um, Steve quit <laughs> to join ETID and, um, I was pretty pissed off at the time, but I get it. I understood. And, um, you know, we toured a lot, man. And we really, like, we really hit it hard. And we were really trying to, like, get our name out there. And we had a couple tours that were, like, really good. Where I was like, fuck, man. Like, this band is doing really good. The shows have good attendance. We're selling merch. Like, we're actually getting a decent, like, amount of money. And, like, it was just, I was like, it's it's going to, like, it's going to go. Like, we're going to do it. And. And, uh, and then Steve quit and it just kind of blew the steam out of me again. And we forged on and we got a bunch of different lineup changes and different bass players and a couple different guitar players. And, uh, uh, well, I guess in a nutshell, um, the last tour we went on, um, I think the tour was pretty good. You know, like the shows were good, but um, there was definitely like some weird stuff going on on the tour. Um, our Eric had brought his girlfriend on tour, so that wasn't really a good thing. Um, and we had a very young guitar player in the band named John Angelo, who is from uh, Lockport. Um, I don't know if you know him. He's a super awesome guy and one of the nicest guys I know. And, uh, but he was very young at the time. And um, I think that just the element of him being young and rambunctious and a little bit way too different than us on uh, a mental and band level at the time just didn't really work. And we all ended up fighting a lot on that tour towards the end. And, uh, and I was honestly, um, I was drinking like a fucking raging lunatic at the time and, uh, like irresponsibly drinking. And, um, so that was causing problems and, um, you know, we were wrecking hotel rooms and, you know, I was driving drunk and, you know, I fell asleep once on tour when we were going into Texas and literally like swerved into oncoming traffic and almost fucking killed all of us. And, um, and I think that was heat exhaustion, but, um, it was just me being stubborn and not wanting to let anybody else drive. And I was probably ragingly hungover as well. So that wasn't helping. And, um, especially when your bass player in the band is straight edge and, uh, and your singer is straight edge. Um, so, um, and then John blew up the van on the way home from our last tour. He blew it up in, uh, in Wisconsin, uh, and we got stranded there for five days, and that's a really long story and pretty funny about uh, 
<laughs> having to help the tow truck driver move from one house to another. And <laughs> he was saying he was going to build a stage and make us play in his backyard. And we were like sleeping in his double wide and he had like this pop-up camper. And we were there for five days because he was like, I'll tow you home, but it's going to be five days. And he had all these like abandoned cars on his property and we were just taking cars and driving them all over the place with no license plates on them. And it was really fucking creepy, man. It was like definitely like teenage pregnant girls, like smoking pot and drinking. It was just a gross, like just everything bad about like America experience, you know? And, um, but a comical one at that. And, um, but we were really mad at John for blowing up the van because we still had another two week Canadian tour to do after that. And, um, and I'll tell you a little funny story about that. John, we basically made him sleep by himself. We made him sleep in a car and, um, and he, he had to go to the bathroom and, uh, and we made him shit out in a field and he wanted toilet paper. And we were like, Nope, fuck you, John. Go go find some roughage. Go find some leaves. <laughs> Whatever. You know? And, um... Yeah, we weren't... Uh, I was really mad at him. Because it was my personal vehicle, too. And he blew it up because he just was being young and not paying attention. And the van overheated really bad. And I think he drove for, like, an hour with the van just overheating. Just not, and like I was specifically, I was like, I'm gonna let you drive, but you need to pay attention to the gauges, all of them. And he just didn't. And then when we got home, he was like, "Fuck you guys! I'm going to school. I don't care. I don't care about your van. I don't care about anything." And, and uh, so I didn't talk to him for a couple of years. But uh, but I I pushed past it and got over it, and you know, and I, I love him to death again. And we actually talk quite a bit. Um. So yeah. Uh, but when we came home from that tour, that's when we decided that we were going to break up. And, uh, and we canceled that Canadian tour and played the last show at the Continental 2003 um, with Every Time I Die and Snapcase. And fucking show was awesome. It was sold out. It was such a really, really awesome show. And uh, actually had that whole show on video. So. But then we did like three reunions after that and then managed to put out an EP. So uh, we were always trying to trying to keep it keep it together. And I actually uh, I've been writing a bunch of new Kid Gorgeous material. And I think that Eric and I personally just want to go and do uh, some new music, even for our own personal satisfaction, you know. But we had a we had a lot of good times on tour and we were pretty rambunctious, man. I would say that um, outside of Pure Heel, um, I definitely had a ton of fun in that band. And uh, we had a really good time most of the time. It was just that last tour that shit got really like, bleh. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I can relate to the to the making the mistake of driving drunk, obviously. I uh, got into a really bad car accident last year. And I'm, I'm actually lucky to be doing this interview with you right now because... I definitely wasn't wearing my seatbelt and luckily I was the only person that got injured, but I definitely got thrown from the car and you know, there's, there's definitely lingering injuries from something like that happening. And, you know, speaking of Canada, I'm definitely not allowed back in there now because of uh, what came attached with that or whatever. So um, I guess my message to everybody listening to this is definitely don't drink and drive. <laughs> Were you driving? 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I had gone. The, 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 the shortened version of the story, because I think I've told it uh, on another episode on this, was that I went to go see uh, uh, a comedy show in Niagara Falls because I was celebrating my birthday. It was like a week after, and I, I dropped my buddy off in, in a suburb of Rochester called Gates, and I live like two or three miles away from there, and I, I didn't know where I was. So I like I like uh, bent down to grab my phone to grab the directions and I couldn't find my phone. So I took my seatbelt off to try to find it. And I'd honestly stopped drinking like three hours before that. But, you know, Buffalo the, the, and Niagara Falls, the, uh, they stopped serving at 4 a.m. So I drank a shitload that night and I definitely shouldn't have driven home. And I never even made it home because I made it to a, a town called Gorham, New York, which is like 30 or 40 miles away from here. And I honestly have no idea how I got there. The only way I justify it is I'm, I told myself that I tell myself now that I must have been driving to another casino in that area to try to like play poker or something at like six o'clock in the morning. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the long story short is that I woke up in a ditch and there was a, 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 a medicopter, a helicopter, like medicopter or whatever the fuck they call it. Uh, and they had to airlift me to the hospital. So I definitely had uh, a pretty long list of injuries that, you know, still kind of linger around. And, you know, as I said, it's definitely not something that I would recommend to anyone to go through something like that. No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you want to talk about kids and reflecting. I mean, my son is 11. Your son, uh, you have a son, right? Yeah, yeah, he's two. So he was real yeah, little two. when this happened. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, man, my, my drinking was pretty, pretty out of control for a long time. And um, my wife included. And, you know, we, uh, we never got in. And no, I take that back. We never got in any accidents while driving under the influence together. Um, when that thing with Kid Gorgeous happened, I wasn't drunk, but I was very tired and had definitely been drinking the night before. And um, and I literally fell asleep and I was it was I was driving and I literally swerved into the other lane and um, it was a thirty mile an hour zone and I was going like sixty. And I woke up and I locked up the brakes and the trailer went friggin' all over the place. And um, obviously cop had been following me. He said he'd been following me for a long time. And, you know, I got a bunch of tickets and stuff. But um, I did, uh, you remember Broadway Joe's? Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was driving home from there and I blacked out going to my apartment, uh, driving up Elmwood. And uh, I came to and there was a car right in front of me. And uh, jumped over the curb into the field next to Buff State and uh, bobbed and weaved. And I ended up sliding sideways in the middle of winter. And I slammed my truck into this tree. And um, I managed to, like, kind of gain some moment of clarity. And I put it in four-wheel drive. And I, like, pulled off of the grass back out onto the street and drove up two streets and made it to my apartment and didn't hit in any other cars and didn't get in any trouble. But I woke up, I had to crawl. I had to get out the passenger side because it couldn't get out the driver's side. And, um, when I woke up in the morning, I, I went outside and like the entire left side of the truck was crushed in. The frame was bent. The window was smashed out. And, uh, so thank God nobody got hurt in the midst of that. And, um, and, uh, about, I would say it's going on almost eight years. Um, my wife and I just said, fuck this shit. And we, uh, and we just said no more. And we completely stopped drinking. And uh, I think my wife is over eight years now. And I'm coming up on eight years. So definitely been sober for eight years. And uh, 
quit smoking cigarettes a long time ago and she quit smoking and so yeah we just we had to put an end to that shit man we used to ugh. I remember being in Richmond Virginia which is where my wife is from and driving down the 95 going about 95 miles an hour uh throwing beer bottles out of the car on the thruway just yeah open container just totally mindless moron shit you know and uh, this is before our son was born. But um, in trying to be a far better parent, we, uh, parents, we, we, we put it, we put it to rest, man, because uh, I didn't grow up around, my parents didn't drink, you know, and uh, so I don't know, I just, I had a girlfriend when I was 21 and she liked to drink and then I started drinking a lot too. So anyways, I'm glad that you're all right because that sucks and it's scary as shit and Obviously, could have been a lot worse, you know. Um, you definitely, uh, you might not be having this interview right now, you know. And <laughs> hopefully, that was a good sign for you to just be like, "Wow," you know, like, "Okay, time to turn over a new leaf," you know. Yeah, it took me a little while to to kind of see the light again. Like, I saw the light at that point, obviously, and I, I knew I had to stop drinking, but it, it took me a little bit longer after I went through all the the rehabilitation programs and all that shit. I ended up drinking a little bit more, and actually, like, literally right before like the quarantine and COVID and all that hit is when I stopped drinking again. And, and now I'm finally at a point where, you know, I've been sober for a few months and it's definitely something I, I plan on keeping up, obviously having a two year old son and, you know, having a girlfriend that I care about is, is enough for me to realize that those mistakes are in the past and hopefully they won't uh, resurface at any point, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, it's definitely a curve. It took me a while. The first year of not drinking was like really rough. You know, I definitely was like, you know, some nights I was freaking out cause I really didn't want to be uh, sober, you know, but it gets easier, man. You'll get through it and uh, just find strength through uh, your friends and family and music and, uh, and you'll be fine. And you'll just be like, Nope, I'm, I'm far better off, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's that's honestly one of the main reasons why I started doing this podcast. You know, I was like, I'm going to be cooped up inside my house for I didn't know how long at the time. So, you know, I just came up with the idea of doing this and got a hold of some people. And now it's kind of snowballed into what it is. And now it's just kind of like I wouldn't even have time to, to drink or doing that shit because I wouldn't have time to do this then, you know. Um, but I guess so there was there was a couple of years in between uh, Kid Gorgeous and Heavy Hearted, like where you just kind of like like keep music on the back burner at that point or were there just like not any projects going on for you to play in? Nope. I completely forgot about another band. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, which I'll keep it short, but, um, so no, I, I I started this band called, uh, ghost of war. And, um, and it's really funny because I just completely like, cause it really wasn't (laughs) hardcore. Um, no, I, uh, I, I, I started a band called ghost of war with, uh, with, Three of the dudes that were in Asherah. You remember them? Yep. Okay, it was uh, Ryan, Gene, and Josh from Asherah. And um, and then Joey from Pure Heel um, played bass. Um, and he ended up getting replaced by another friend of mine, a guy named Jim Murphy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had this band for at least... I don't know. I would say we were around. We probably did it for almost three years, um, but it was definitely more of like a uh, like a corrosion of conformity, down, sword, southern kind of metal rock, you know, stoner rock kind of stuff. Um, 
and uh, that's that's what I did after uh, after Kid Gorgeous. And we actually played a lot of shows, man. We did. We we played a lot of shows, and uh, I really liked that band. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. We were just writing really cool riffs, and everybody got along pretty damn good. And um, so yeah, that's what I did after Kid Gorgeous. I don't even know if uh, I don't even think I have any of the music. Like I can't even find the demo or anything. And uh, I tried to get it from our singer, and we recorded a lot of music. And uh, some of it got released, and some of it didn't. But uh, it was cool, man. It was fun to like bring it back to like uh, you know, like really like more like simpler drumming, and you know, Kid Gorgeous was kind of all like chaotic, and you know. Um, but yeah, I did that, and uh, we did that up until probably, I don't know, 2005, 2006 maybe, something like that. Yeah, I definitely didn't grow up on Southern Rock, but it's something I got more into as I got older, and, and Down's definitely a band that, that I got into. That, that first LP is really good. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much of that I'm going to listen to now, you know, I don't smoke weed anymore, obviously, but um there's definitely some good albums out there of, of that kind of music, you know? Yeah. I mean, just for the riffage alone, man. Um, I mean, I don't smoke pot anymore and, um, I never really did a lot anyway. I was never like really big into that. Um, but, uh, no, you know, you got to keep in mind too, like throughout those like times too, of like, those bands for me, like Kid Gorgeous was always like, like doing a reunion, like every couple years, you know? So we would like get together and jam a lot and, you know, and, and, uh, play, play reunions and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, no, I did the ghost of war thing for probably about two and a half years. And, uh, so that kind of filled that void right there. And then, and like I said, man, we, we played a lot of shows, you know, um, not anything super far out of town, but we were definitely playing regularly a lot. And then after that, yeah, it would have been Heavy Hearted, which would have been like 2007. Yeah, and what's interesting about Heavy Hearted is that obviously, you know, the first, I guess we're going to be going on like uh, 15 episodes of this podcast. Um, I've been kind of going back and forth with Buffalo and Rochester people because I've always kind of noticed a pretty strong connection with the scenes. And it's interesting that you would have ended up playing in a band with people from Rochester and that band. So like, how did that like whole, whole connection come about with you guys? Man... Uh, well, we know that it was, uh, Pogue and Kevin and I, I, I mean, this is like one of those like super vague moments where I just, somebody got a hold of me that was either from Rochester or, and lived in Buffalo or they lived in Rochester and they were a pretty good personal friend of mine. I, I really can't remember, um, and I, I got an email from, I want to say, Kevin. And, um, man, yeah, I mean, for the life of me, like, I, I, Kevin may have been able to answer that question. Um, I, got, I just got an email, you know, and, and they were looking for a drummer because they had done that original demo stuff. But the original drummer really wasn't, like, in the band. He just recorded with them, you know. And, um and Kevin sent me all the songs and um I mean I definitely I think I I just jumped on it because I wanted to play, you know. Um I was definitely like, okay, I really I want to play again. Um 
it wasn't really my style. I'll be honest with you. You know, I think what was really popular in that, that 2007, eight, nine, like a lot of like the, I don't want to, you want to say like posse core bands and stuff like that. Um, maybe like have heart. And my, I mean, am I got my timeline right here? Yeah, no, the time's definitely right. Um, like I wasn't, I was, I, I liked posse core when I was younger, but I didn't really like it as much then, but I definitely enjoyed heavy hearted and, I think an interesting side note that I mentioned in the Kevin interview too, is that uh, sketchy Dave and I actually booked the first uh, heavy hearted show uh, in Rochester at Elixir. I'm guessing you would have been playing drums by then. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause I, I was definitely uh, uh, more than, more than drunk that night. So my memory of that show isn't as good as it should be, I guess. <laughs> I mean, did I play the first show? I would imagine, because like I said, like, their drummer really like wasn't their drummer. Like he was just a dude that, that I think his name was Bob. Um, he just played on the demo, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, like I said, it wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, I didn't, I definitely didn't listen to that kind of like more, I don't want to say posi core, but like um, I just wasn't into like that super melodic type hardcore. And um, even though I love some of the older bands that were like that, you know, like I like Turning Point, and, you know, I love Dag Nasty, but um, and a, a myriad of other bands. But um, I don't know. I just wasn't jiving on that style, but I really wanted to play. And obviously me being me, I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'll just get in the fucking band and I'll start writing my own songs, and I'll just make the band heavier, which was, like, <laughs> my whole idea behind it, you know? And, which, it, it happened. Like, there's no doubt that it didn't happen, you know? And Kevin started writing heavier songs that I think he knew were a little bit more suited to my style. And, um, but then he quit, um, which is, there's a whole backlash behind that that I don't really need to get into because I don't know if he talked about it and, you know, that was some pretty personal stuff with him. And I'm sure if you guys are friends, you've talked about it. But either way, I mean, it, it happened. Um, and it was like, fuck it, keep going on, you know. And um, we used to practice up in Canandaigua at uh, Brent's grandfather's house in this, like, barn. I'm sure you've been there. Um, and I used to drive 90-something miles from Buffalo to get there twice a week. And... uh and in the summer, dude, it was like, it was like death in there. It was so hot. And then in the winter time, we would practice in there with like a like a rocket heater, and we would all just get asphyxiated. It was hilarious. Um, but then we go out and get garbage plates, and you know, and I actually had a really good time going out there because it was like kind of a way to like get away for the day. And I would make it like a whole day. I would literally, I wouldn't come home till like midnight. Um, but we had a lot of fun. Um, we definitely all got along really good, and. You know, we bought a van, and we got a trailer, and and we went on tour, and, and it was cool, man. And I, I liked playing with younger dudes. I thought that was cool to, like, get a little bit different perspective, you know, from not a bunch of dudes that were, like, getting older, that were, like, pissed off that shit didn't work out for them. And, you know, and um, let's face it, a lot of the dudes that I wanted to play with in Buffalo were either gone and moved away or they were already in, like, pretty well-to-do bands, you know. And um, so I was kind of like running out of people to play with. And um, so I thought this was a perfect opportunity to kind of like get my feet wet in a little bit different style. 
Um, honestly, I hadn't played fast hardcore drumming for like a long time, like a long time since BA. And um, so when I first joined Heavy Hearted, I would be a liar if I said that like, you know, my my uh, my game was there. It was like I, I kind of sucked at first. You know, I didn't suck, but like it was loose, man. You know, I had to like really get some of that stuff back because I had been playing like in a stoner rock band for two and a half years. It was all like mid-tempo or like 6-8 and real slow. And, you know, I could like play beats with like one hand. The shit was so slow sometimes. Um, and little tidbit here. Um, I tried out for, uh, for um, uh, I'm going to get this completely uh, screwed up here. Uh, what was Rob Fusco's band after uh, One King Down? Yeah, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, most precious blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't blood has been shed because that was wasn't that Howard's band. Yeah, yeah, that was his band before uh, Kill Switch. Yeah, it was most precious blood. Um, I actually drove down there and auditioned for them in like two thousand five, maybe. Um, and um, and I didn't get the gig because I didn't deserve to get the gig because I was off my game. Um, and, uh, I definitely like, instead of like sitting down and practicing the songs on my drum set, I like, was like practicing them like on my lap. It was terrible. I was like trying to play along with them on the computer and shit. But, uh, yeah, so I tried out for, uh, for that band and it did not get the gig. Um, which would have been cool if I did, but, um, I certainly wasn't deserving of it. And then the guy they got after, um, and I think he was from North Carolina, uh, was super fucking awesome. And I remember seeing them at Extreme Wheels, and I was like, yeah, oh, that guy rips. Like, I would have went with him too, you know? Um, so I definitely had to, like, kind of, like, get better at playing fast drums again. And um, and then I know we did, like, that 7-inch, uh, that you know? And, uh, and even to this day, I'll listen to it, and I'll be like, man, like, I fucking suck on this. <laughs> like, this is, this is bad, you know? And, um... But we got Nate Derby in the band, um, who obviously you know. And um, I tell you, man, he was uh, he was writing some really sick stuff. And I think the band was actually starting to get really fucking good. And, um, and then we kicked Pogue out. You know? Like, uh, I, why we did it, I don't know. He was a little tough to deal with. But he, he really is a big uh, sweetheart teddy bear. And, uh, but we kicked him out and like tried to like get another singer and it was just so stupid. It was like, man, that was like the dumbest thing we ever did. Like Pogue has a great voice and we don't think we really had any ground to stand on to kick him out. And, uh, and man, Nate was writing some, some awesome riffs, man. Like that band was getting way heavier and way cooler, you know? And, uh, Nate and I really vibed. Wow, man. Like I was really digging the shit he was writing. I was like. This is going to be awesome. But. Breaks. Um, <laughs> uh, well, while we were out on the road, uh, my uh, now wife, um, she called me when we were playing, uh, I want to say Saratoga Springs. And uh, I remember sleep, I was sleeping in the van and she called me and she was like, hi, honey. And I was like, hey. And she's like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what? So like, what? And I'm like trying to like be all quiet in the van, like my sweatshirt over my face. And, and, 
Yep. And uh, and that was really, really, really close to the time, not that far after that, or maybe before that, when all that stuff with Kevin went down with his girlfriend at the time. Um, but yeah, and uh, so my wife, uh, now girlfriend at the time, obviously, she uh, she got pregnant, and uh, we definitely went on tour while she was pregnant, and that didn't go over too well with her. And, uh, and my mind was definitely all over the Richter scale then, man. I was, I was in a very, very fucked up mental state because as much as I was happy that she was, uh, pregnant, I, I don't think I was anywhere near prepared as a human being financially, mentally, emotionally to like have to look at the fact of like starting a family and, um, and, you know, Heavy Hearted was, like, starting to get some pretty good buzz, and we were getting on some good tours and playing a lot of good shows. And um, and it was definitely, like, a I want to say a huge buzz kill for me, you know, in a, in a sordid, fucked and weird way, you know. And um, But if I said it any other way, I would be sugarcoating it, and I would be a liar. And, uh, and I don't do that shit. So it was tough for me, you know. Like, I really wanted Heavy Hearted to, like, to break out and, like, become kind of, like, a really like well-known band. And, um, and I think we were getting ready to like say, all right, let's do like a U.S. tour and let's go out and, you know, and, um, but whatever, you know, life happens. And, uh, and my, uh, my son is amazing and I love him to pieces and I love my wife and we've been together for almost 16 years. And, and that's that. And, um, and then we kicked Pogon anyway, and that fucked it all up anyway. So <laughs> the band broke up anyway. So you guys, you guys never found a replacement singer, I take it then, right? You, you tried to kick him out, and then basically the band just kind of fizzled out after that? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it just, uh, it just, we just never got another singer because there was no other singer for that band. Pogue was the singer, and I don't know. Maybe it was something between Brent and Devin and Pogue. I don't know. Um, I'd have to ask him, or you could ask him. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, my wife getting pregnant, um, which honestly, at the time, you know, like uh, I was hell bent on like being in a pretty successful band again. So if we hadn't kicked out Pogue, um, even with my wife being pregnant, I don't know if I would have like put the brakes on. I think I may have been like, nope, like this band's doing really good and I want to play shows. So I love you and I'll be here and I'll be a father, but I'm still going to remain on the road with the band because that's all I've ever wanted to do my entire life. You know, like that's always been the only thing I ever wanted to do. Right. And yeah, I can imagine that would have been hard uh, to have kind of watched the kid grow from the road, you know, like that's again, why I'm kind of lucky that things worked out the way they did for me. I've been able to kind of get a second chance after everything that happened. And, and now I get to see my son grow every day, you know, and that's obviously as, as you can relate to it, been a, a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. Parenting's tough. It's got, it's uh you know, it's got its flatlands and it's got its uh, fucking Rocky Mountains, man. Um, and sometimes you gotta gotta climb over the mountain, and uh, sometimes it damn near kills you. But um, I mean, honestly, you know, I think that I would have been willing to be a dad on the road. Like, that's how, you know, bad I I I I had it in my my heart and my conviction was like that was what I wanted to do, and I would have I would have been willing to to be an on the road dad, I'm sorry to say it, but you know, I even tell my wife now, you know, like <laughs> I love you to death, but if I get a, a good opportunity to be in a like touring successful band, like 
I, I, I won't say no. Like I, I wouldn't, I would, I would absolutely 100% say yes. And she knows that, but she knew that going in, you know? So I guess that's an advertisement for any bands that will be looking for drummers to tour with, uh, after the, uh, quarantines over here then. <laughs> I mean, I, not i'm just saying like that was you know that was always been the deal you know like that's i'm a musician man you know i want to i like the performing live is like it's outside of you know watching your kid being born and doing amazing things with your family um nothing even comes close to it you know it's the best feeling ever to to vibe and to get that that energy off the crowd it's just you know i can be in the worst mood ever ever you know and um and get on stage and it it all just dissolves man it just becomes this like 30 minutes of complete serenity you know so that's uh that's that's where i'm at on it so yeah (laughs) if uh right opportunity ever came then i'm I'm not i'm not saying no i'm sorry that's guitar or drums yeah, that's one thing I've always been envious of of musicians like you is that you guys get to have that experience. Like I, I played in a couple of crappy bands in high school, but nothing that's that's worth like having a conversation on this podcast about. So I guess after after Heavy Hearted, you ended up playing in Wreckage. Um, was was there was there any other bands, or or was there like a, a little gap in between playing in the two bands at that point? Yeah, we uh, you know the Heavy Hearted thing was kind of done, and um, you know at that point I was a papa and was definitely making some different changes in life. Um, but Kid Gorgeous, as always, you know, is always like somewhere on the back burner in my mind. So we managed to get a uh, really awesome lineup together with uh, obviously myself, Eric Baccio, singer, uh, my boy, Gene Zibowitz, who was in Asherah and Ghost of War, and then Mitch Kay, because um, Mitch Kay hadn't really been doing anything for a while. He was living in California, and then he moved back. Um, and then... Uh, my buddy Aaron, uh, who's most famously known as Beerwolf, um, who was in Face the Panic, Lockjaw, um, a lot of other awesome bands, uh, TC5, and um, just super well-rounded, amazing bass player, killer guitar player. And um, we got this super kick-ass lineup together and wrote some really good songs. And we put out that Blue Romance EP and went on a little 10-day tour, which was... Eh, you know, good and bad. Um, and I think at that point I realized like this will never work, but it was fun to do it. Um, but I bought another van and you know, all that shit. And, uh, and then that EP came out on eulogy. Um, and actually did really, really good when it came out, like, uh, on iTunes and stuff, we were very impressed. I think, uh, there was like one day where we were like made it up to like number one on the metal chart on iTunes for like, (laughs) probably an hour or something. Um, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm really proud of those songs and, uh, it was definitely a, like a cool new direction, but, uh, Mitch got asked to be back in Eated and, um, which was awesome for him. Um, cause they are obviously a machine and, um, and I didn't, you know, I knew kid G wasn't going to like do anything, uh, outside of that. I mean, Eric didn't even live in Buffalo anymore. Um, so, um, my friend Nick Racino was in Get Back Up, and um, they were done. And uh, we had been talking about doing a band for a while. And then a friend of ours, Dave Green, he had a benefit for him, and because uh, he had battled some cancer for a while. And uh, but he's good. Um, 
Nick and I got to talking at that benefit and we're like, fuck it, man, let's, let's do a band. And, uh, he already had a singer in mind named Dan Cross and we just rounded up the troops and we started this band and, uh, we got our friend Carl Morris to play guitar. And, um, obviously, um, we tried out a bunch of different bass players and we ended up with John Turner, um, who obviously sadly passed away. Um, and we recorded a demo and uh which could have came out better and uh but nevertheless it was our first thing and we were starting to play some shows and but i really just wanted to play really fast aggressive thrash metal type angry rip your throat out hardcore you know and i think that dan our singer wanted to be more of a youth crew type band and uh i just didn't i didn't want to do that and uh, we had a lot of different disagreements as far as like viewpoints in life. And he didn't like the songs I was writing. So he exited the band. Um, we didn't kick him out. Uh, it was just kind of an agreed upon thing. And, uh, and then we, and then Carl wasn't in the band anymore. And then I got Mike Cadillac in the band. Um, and John Turner also got kicked out of the band, but that's because he had a really bad falling out with Nick Racino. And, um, I won't get into that long story, but, um, either way they had a really falling, a bad falling out. And there was just no way that John could have stayed in the band at that point. Um, so then we got Joey in the band from pure heel. Who's absolutely one of my best friends in the whole world. Um, but it really like came together, man, with me and Joey and Hadalak and, um, Racino. And then we got Rob, um, who's from, Silver Springs, you know, Warsaw. Uh, he, Mike had known him. He was in some death metal bands and Mike had recorded them. And, um, we did it. And I was really writing from what I thought was like some of the best shit I had ever written in my life. Um, I think I was really like, I think I was back on my game as far as playing drums. My, I just, I felt really good about it, you know? Um, and we recorded that Future Graves EP, which I love. I think it's awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Um, played a ton of good shows. We got on a lot of really good shows. and um, <laughs> But um, I don't think Racino really got along with Rob too well. And um, so he ended up leaving the band. And then we got a replacement guitar player who's my buddy, Chris, uh, who's in like uh, um, Wrong the Oppressor and stuff like that. And he was also in Lockjaw and he was in Face the Panic and stuff. Um, great guitar player. But um, I honestly think that Mike really just wanted to have one guitar player in the band. And, um, and then Mike hurt his back really bad at work. He blew out like three discs in his back. And, uh, and that really fucked shit up for a while. You know, it's like, there's always like something with a band. There's always just some like cataclysmic event that just like derails it, you know? And, um, Mike blown his back out and, uh, and then like being scared to death play, to play shows because of workman's comp and all that stuff. And actually had a couple problems with that where we definitely played a couple shows and he kind of got busted and, you know, so he didn't want to play shows after that. And, um, you know, I love Rob to death. He's got a really, really good voice. And uh, if he hears this interview, he'll 
<laughs> probably strangle me or kill me. But um, <laughs> I just think that uh, I think for what we gained on vocal ability with Rob, we lost in stage presence with Dan leaving the band. Because when Dan was in the band, we were like getting some pretty good steam, man. And like there were people coming to shows and kids really getting down. And like I was like, oh, wow, like fucking people actually like us, you know. And um, and it just kind of fell off when Rob joined the band. And um, I think that if we had continued, I think that all of that could have been sorted out. We definitely could have worked on all that vibe and like, you know, stage presence and just what you shouldn't do and what you should do. And, you know, cause whether anybody wants to admit it, like having a really, really amazing vocalist is the most fucking important part of a band. Like, I don't give a shit how awesome your band is. If your vocalist isn't good or doesn't have any charisma or something that the crowd is going to latch on to, you're dead in the water, man. You know, you can get up there and play like, uh, all those dudes that play all those eight-string guitars and they do the tapping and all that fancy shit that I just can't get into. Um, but if your singer sucks, your band is dead. I don't care. It's just how it works. Um, and there's a million examples of that throughout time amongst a million genres of music. Um, so that just kind of wasn't working out. And... Um, and then there were some other things that happened on a personal level between me and another person in the band. And I won't dive into that because that's personal stuff. And, you know, we've kind of worked it out. And, uh, but I really wasn't willing to, uh, to put the effort into the band after that happened. And, uh, and Joey had gone and to join Pure Heel and, you know, I was kind of keeping it together and we were practicing once in a while, but, you know, Mike had his own little inner turmoil going on with life and just things going on. And, you know, it was just like pulling teeth at that point. I could even get those guys to practice once a month. So I just kind of put it to rest for a while. And, um, and honestly, all the Buried Alive reunion stuff came along. And, um, which was a miracle after all these years and something that we were all super pumped about. And, at that point, I was like, wreckage, wreckage, who? Like, we're doing this reunion <laughs> shit, and I'm so fucking happy that it's actually happening that, like, I literally just dedicated every ounce of energy I had into that, you know? Um, and then I kind of schmoozed and buggered my way into Pure Heel. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to Pure Heel in just a second, but I just want to backtrack real quick with two things that you said about wreckage. Um, First of all, I, I kind of forgot uh, John Turner was in the band, and and actually the last show I went to last last summer here, uh, the way we carry played, and it was the day that he passed away. I remember when the, when it got announced on stage, it was just like, like you know what I mean, like one of those moments where just time just like stood still, and I could not believe that because like he, he was somebody I would ride the bus with all the time to the mall because we both worked around there like 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 I was, it was like twelve years ago now, and he was just such a nice guy, and you know I just couldn't believe that happened, you know um and i guess on a more positive note um you mentioning uh sweeper being in the band i don't think i've ever heard anybody refer to him as chris before <laughs> did i actually call him chris yeah well he has a name and uh <laughs> i mean there's lots of 
myth and folklore and legend as to where his nickname came from. Um, it, it had something to do with the way he used to dance at shows. And, you know, I, I, I want to say it was Vogel that gave him the name, but maybe not. And, uh, they said he looked like he was sweeping the floor, you know? So <laughs> that was what his name was. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I call him sweeper. I call him Chris. Sometimes I call him asshole, you know, <laughs> we've been friends together a long time and, uh, you know, we've, we've had our, our tussles and tiffs, but, um, whatever, uh, who hasn't had a tussle or a tiff, uh, at one time in their life, you know, you hang around people long enough at one time or another, you're bound to get in some sort of a fight with them for whatever dumb fucking reason. But, uh, yeah, another very strange, uh, John Turner fact. Um, obviously John, uh, you know, whatever differences he had had with Nick Racino, um, I don't honestly know if they ever truly worked it out. Um, that is a very long story on what happened between two of them. And, um, it was very unfortunate because it's something that could have been resolved very easily. And, um, but there was just a bit of dishonesty that went on, on, uh, one of the party side and, um, it wasn't cool. And that's why he got let go from the band. Um, but nevertheless, um, I always stayed in touch with him and kind of, uh, got over that. And, um, so yeah, hearing him pass away was an extraordinary shock. Like it just didn't make any sense. And, um, I mean, I've never really asked about the details of it. I've heard stories as to what happened and, but, um, but anyways, um, so the day of John's service and funeral was actually the same day that Nick Racino got married. So, wow, that's, that's weird, yeah. Um, I got invited, obviously, to Racino's wedding. Um, my wife is a professional photographer. She shot their wedding. And it was just like a, like, what do you do circumstance, you know? And, um, you know, I paid my respects to Turner. and um, But I, I went to the wedding because I just, I didn't feel like, I, I felt like celebrating, I guess. And um, it's no disrespect to John or any of our friends, but like, I just, you know, I chose the side of, uh, of, of celebration that day instead of, you know, mourning, because like I said, I paid my own personal respects to him and um, I got to hang out with him at this is hardcore because he lived in Philly and he came and, uh, and it was really, we, we hung out a lot that night and we had a really good time. And um, so yeah, but that was just very, very, very strange that the two dudes that had a huge falling out in the band kind of offset each other on the same day. It was it was very eerie, you know? Yeah, and obviously me having had a, basically what you would call a near-death experience just a few months before it obviously, you know, shocked me in a kind of a different way, you know? But um, so I guess you were kind of starting to talk about Pure Heel a little bit. And, and you know, I know you, you joined the band after they formed. And, and I guess you, you kind of said it yourself. You kind of schmoozed your way into that. Um, but how did that all come about, I guess? <laughs> well, Joey, because Wreckage was kind of on the downfall. And um, Joey had gone off and joined Pure Heel. And, and he played the demo for me. And I was like, fuck. 
this is really good. I really like this. God damn it. Like, this is good, you know, but they have a drummer and he's awesome too, you know? And, uh, and then I would constantly bug Joey. I'd be like, Joey, you know, Pure Heel needs two guitar players. He's like, oh, I don't know, man. I think we're, I think we're fine with one. And I was like, yeah, okay. And, uh, and then I'd ask him again. I'd be like, did you talk to Jay? He'd be like, no, no, I'm not going to talk to Jay. And finally, I was like, all right, I've known Jay since like 1992. This is stupid. So I just started bugging Jay, you know. And um, I, I, I was texting him. And I was like, yo, I think you should have a second guitar player. And he was like, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And he's like, why? He's like, do you, do you know anybody? He's like, I don't even know where to look. And I was like, Me. I'm fucking talking about me, asshole. And he's like, oh, how do you play guitar? You know? And I was like, yes, I play guitar. Like, I want to be in your band. I love all you dudes. I don't really know Eric and Rob that well, but, you know, I've heard very good things about them. And I've seen you guys play. And uh, it's fun. It's raw. It's just simple. It's everything about punk rock that I love. And, um, and I want to come try out. And he was like, do you have a guitar? And I was like, yes. And he goes, he goes, all right, you're in the band. And I was like, huh. I want to try out. And he's like, nah, he's like, you're in the band. And I was like, okay. And then I show up to practice. Right. And I mind you, I like literally have one guitar and my old guitar that's broken. I don't have an amp yet, except for my shitty little practice, amp, you know? And um, so I borrow all of Joey's stuff for like the first six months I'm in the band. And, um, and I tell Jay, I said, there's one little problem. He's like, what's that? I go, I really can't play that well standing up. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, dude, all I've ever done is write music for bands. I've never played on stage in a band. All I do is sit down. And he's like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. So I had to really like learn how to play standing up, man. It's a whole different angle on the way you attack and play your guitar. And, you know, so the first few shows I was like, I was like a statue, you know, like I was just like, okay, like I'm just going to kind of keep it still here. And like, if I would get bumped into, I'd be like, God damn it. You know, like (laughs) not what I need right now. Um, but it's been a couple of years and, uh, I'm honestly, uh, I'm having more fun in this band than I have had playing in a band in a very, very long time. Just the way we get along, the way the band works, everything we're going for, everything we're doing, the music, the vibe. I think people are starting to really like the band a lot. I'm, I'm honestly loving playing guitar like crazy. Um, it's giving me an excuse to spend a lot of money on shit that I probably don't need, but nevertheless, I do it anyway. Um, and then I sell a lot of stuff. So, yeah, and that, that's that's where it's at, man. That's the current thing. And we got the 7-inch uh, the coming out on Irish Voodoo, and we are dying to get back to playing shows, man. You know, I mean, we're not even practicing right now, obviously, in light of things. And, uh, you know, some bands are practicing, and that's cool to each his own. But uh, we haven't started practicing yet, but, you know, we're always creating and writing and doing merch. And Eric definitely has the merch store almost ready to go. And um, it's been a really positive experience. And uh, I haven't been this happy playing in a band in years. And um, it's just fucking cool, man. And uh, and Jay, you know, he lets me write songs once in a while. So that's fun, too. <laughs> 
And, you know, it's interesting you talk about not being able to play standing up. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a fan of the band Poison Idea at all, but but their old guitar player, uh, Pig Champion, rest in peace, um, he he played sitting down for most of the duration of that band. So I would have just shown him a picture or a video of that band and said, you know, he can do it, so can I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it was more of a mental thing, you know? Like, yeah. oh, I can't play standing up. And then Jay was just kind of like, I mean, you can't play standing up. He's like, you can play standing up. So I just had to adjust my strap accordingly. And, uh, you know, I don't play my guitar super low because I'm short. Um, I play it at a comfortable height. And, um, but I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. Now I'm just kind of jumping around the stage and having fun and being a goofball and trying to transpose what I do on the drums, which is act like a raging lunatic. And, um, I've definitely been called animal plenty of times um i'm trying to like do that on the guitar now and uh and yeah man it's fun you know i like being out in the front of the crowd there being able to run into the crowd and just act like a bumbling idiot and um and our songs are like pretty simple so it's not like i have to like play these like tech metal songs you know and like i don't think i'd be able to pull that off but um but the heel stuff is just straight punchy in your face and it's not real complex and and that's the beauty of it, you know, because that's the roots of uh, what we all know and love so much is uh, just raw aggression in your face and uh, not overly complicated, you know. And if you're a little out of tune, fuck it. That's OK, too. And, and uh, Seven Inch that's coming out in Irish Voodoo, is, it's pretty limited. So it's already sold out. Uh, are there plans for him to release more more colors or variants or is it just going to be limited like how no. it is now? Sorry. Um, no, absolutely. Sorry. There will be. Uh, there's going to be more stuff. Yeah. I, uh, that, that's not going to be the only one as far as I know. I mean, if I'm wrong on that, then I'm sure Jay will, uh, correct me, but, um, no, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be other stuff that gets released. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have, uh, released at least one video that kind of deals with current events. Now, had you guys already written that song before everything happened? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing if you're not practicing, you probably already had, right? Yes, that was a song um, that Jay wrote, and um, it was one of our newer songs, and Push Come the Shove, and when all this shit went down and all hell broke loose, um, I definitely sent out like a group text. I was like, yo, like, so in light of what is going on in the world, like, Solitary wasn't written for that purpose, but it certainly translates to, like, you know, the... uh, the state of affairs on the planet. And, um, my buddy, Eric Baccio is a filmmaker and editor and all around camera guru. And, um, he's done tons of videos for bands and, you know, worked on all sorts of television shows and movie sets. And, you know, he teaches cinematography in California at, uh, I think he's either Cal state or Caltech, And, um, so he just really knows what's up and he knows what he's doing. Um, anybody who wants to know, he's ericbaccio.com. Check out his film reel. He's fucking amazing. Uh, so I just said, Eric, like we have this song that could definitely like kind of be relevant to what's going on in the world. And I want to do a video. And, um, and he just, uh, Jay gave him some concepts and ideas and we just kind of let him run with it. And Eric did the video and, and we kind of waited on it to uh, to get released because we did the uh, turnbuckle video a few months ago, and 
and then, yeah, voila, it got released, uh, what, a week ago or something like that. And uh, definitely good, positive uh, feedback from it. And it was just the right timing. But, no, it wasn't written, but it certainly is relevant to what is going on right now, you know. But, yeah, Eric did a really good job on it. And he did it so off the cuff. And um, and he didn't have to do it. And he didn't want any money to do it. And, uh, and we would have paid him if he would have. But, uh I just think that I have that kind of relationship with him that he was like happy to do it promotes him and uh, he likes the band. And, you know, if I was in his position um, with all those skills and talent, I would, uh, I would have done it for him as well. Yeah. And that band definitely obviously meets the best of both worlds for me, because one thing we haven't really talked about a lot in this interview, and obviously we won't probably dive too deep into it. Um, but I definitely grew up on like early, late eighties, early nineties wrestling. So when you first sent me the, 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 the turnbuckle video, I was like, man, this is fucking perfect. You know, that's, that's our motto, man. It's punk rock and wrestling, you know, and, um, Jay and, uh, Eric and, and Joey too are, they're, they're really, really into it. And I'm into it to one degree or another. I'm not as hardcore into it as they are, you know, but, um, I joined the band after the fact, you know, but uh, I uh, I think it's super cool, you know. Plus, we do a lot of the skateboarding stuff, too, you know. And um, that's a huge part of my life, you know, outside of being a musician. Like, skateboarding is like, that's it, man. Like, that's, that's what I do as much as possible, you know. And um, I'm not saying that I'm like some superhero on the board, but, um, but I love skateboarding. I love everything about it, the history, the what's going on now. Um, my son actually watched gleaming the cube for the first time ever today because they have it on Amazon prime for free. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but, uh, it's pretty awesome. I like Christian Slater quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so heel has a lot to do with skateboarding too. Like, you know, we do, we implement a lot of that. So I love that part of it too, you know? Yeah, no, Gleaming the Cube is probably uh, one of my favorite movies, and Christian Slater was one of my favorite actors growing up. Um, in fact, that TV show I was just on recently, Mr. Robot, was was a show that I was, was extremely into, so it's it's kind of like full circle for me, like growing up being a fan of his, and then as an adult, like having him be on one of my favorite TV shows. But yeah, that movie is, you know, I, I, again, like I told you, I don't actually, I'm not sure if I told you, because I've talked a lot of people about skateboarding on these interviews, but I... I, I personally never really got into skateboarding. I tried doing it, and I was never really that good at it. But but like the culture and stuff behind it, I've always been a huge fan of. And that movie is definitely like one of my favorites. And I'm glad you told me it's on Prime because I'll probably have to try and put it on one of these nights now. Yeah, it's just it's a fun movie, you know, with the Bones Brigade in it, and um, you know, I, I like Christian Slater. Um, Heather's phenomenal movie, True Romance. Um, I don't think he really ever got the credit that he deserved. Um, but uh, yeah, you know that 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 new series that he did, and uh, I think he's managed to stay relevant. I always just thought he was a cool cat, you know. And um, and then he was in the Legend of Billy Jean too, which is another one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> you know, come on, man, I'm an '80s kid. I'm an '80s geek. I like I like all those movies just as much as the rest of you. You know, it's uh, yeah. You're definitely you're definitely mentioning a lot of movies that I grew up on uh, in, a, in a short span there, and and True Romance is obviously at the top of my list too. I mean that movie has everything you'd want in a movie, you know? So, <laughs> Yes, it does. 
Um, but yeah, I guess I only have a couple of questions left here. Um, you kind of referenced this a little bit, uh, you know, with some of the bands that, that you either quit or, or, you know, a couple of bands you tried, or at least one band you tried out for that you weren't able to join. But are there any other missed opportunities or anything like that that you look back on and you wish you could have done? Or like any bands that you like maybe turned down an offer for that you wish you would have like kind of tried to do now at this point? I mean, I definitely didn't have like a ton of offers, um, but I wasn't also actively pursuing like a lot of different bands. I think most of the bands that I was really into were definitely really solid and they had very like solid lineups. Um, I mean, I definitely regret some of the stuff that Barrett Alive did after I quit, not being able to do some of those tours that they did. Um, and obviously, you know, I hear the horror stories and the nightmare behind it and, you know, and a lot of the fighting and stuff and um, whether or not it would have been any better if I was there, like I said before, I don't know, you know, but either way, there were some good tours they did and some places that they traveled to that, you know, I had been, but certainly wanted to go back to. And, um, but as far as like, you know, like other bands that I really wanted to be in, like, no, I mean, I had, I had every band I was in, I liked, you know, and uh, I felt like we we're getting out there. And like I said, Kid Gorgeous, man. I mean, we hit it hard for a couple of years there. We were touring a lot. We were doing a lot of us tours and, festivals and stuff like that and you know we played uh we played furnace fest two years in a row and you know we played orlando magic fest and um i think it was in orlando i don't know but um so that band was getting a pretty pretty good reputation you know and even the shows in california were good with that band and we had never played out there but like they were good you know there was a couple duds but you know um so no, no, no regrets. I mean, you know, I could certainly name bands that I would have loved to have been in or had a chance to be in, but there was never any chance to be in those bands. You know what I mean? They just, uh, they didn't need musicians. So yeah, if, if I guess if you could put together a dream show of like four to six bands uh, of any era and like, it doesn't matter if they're together or not now, uh, who do you think would be on that, that show? Four to six bands from any era. Let's see here. I would say Suicidal Tendencies. Black Flag. Dead Kennedys. Um, hmm. So I can mix any bands I want. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be hardcore and punk. It could be like you know, some people have put like a metal band on with like a like a straight edge band, you know. So it can be any any genre, any era, obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, Suicidal Tendencies, maybe like S.O.D. Um. Mm. I mean, I always have to put Slayer in there, you know. <laughs> I love Slayer. Uh, that's always fun. Um, fuck, man, you can throw Nirvana in there. 
and uh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen uh, a couple of those bands, uh, obviously, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll go. We'll go with that. We'll go. Uh, Kennedy's Black Flag, S.O.D. Slayer, Nirvana, and uh, what was the other one I put in there? I think that was it, right? That's 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 a pretty diverse bill, though. Having having Slayer, Nirvana, and Black Flag on there, you know, um, and then S.O.D. for the crossover vibe, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that would be cool. It it would have been cool to have seen Dead Kennedys in their heyday too. I, mean, I know they've kind of gotten back together without Jello, which seems kind of lame, but yeah, it would have been cool. To... And uh, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe the Sex Pistols or something, you know, because it would have been it been fucking wild to see them back in their heyday too, you know. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Mike Jeffers actually put them on his on his uh, list of of dream show too, and and that's that's definitely a band that influenced a lot of stuff too. So it would have been. I mean, just, just to be like a fly on the wall for a show like that would have been pretty crazy. All the crazy shit you would have seen, you know? Yep. And, uh, I mean, there's a million other bands that you could put together, but, uh, you know, that's what came off the, the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's usually like the DC bands, which I guess there's kind of a Black Flag connection there with Rollins, you know? But, yeah, it's, yep. it's most yeah, like the early... Bad Brains or Minor Threat or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, those are like the top two. Like I've seen Bad Brains play like a couple songs, but not like in their prime, obviously. Like it was like early two thousands, you know. So but yeah, no, I guess that's pretty much uh what I had uh for questions and stuff. Do you have anything else you want to add or any closing comments or anything like that? Um, well I appreciate the interview. Um a lot of fun. I'm sure there's a lot of you know, filler in there, but you know, whatever. I like to talk a lot. Um it was cool, man. I appreciate it. Uh Hopefully everybody will check out Pure Heel, no doubt. And um, definitely cool things coming on that end. And uh, I hopefully we all can get through this and get back to playing shows. And it's going to be a little weird for a minute there, you know. And I mean, I can't honestly say uh, if we're going to be able to play any more shows this year. I don't know. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to backtrack real fast here. I'm just going to add this. Because I didn't get to see them because I'm I'm a, I'm a reject. Um, I have to add Rage Against the Machine to that show too. That's a that's another band that I would have loved to have seen that I didn't get to see them. I know they were supposed to tour this year, but yeah, that would be uh that would be a great band to have seen in their heyday. Yeah, I definitely had chances to see them. Um, I think some of the times that I was gonna go see them, I was on tour myself, and um, but whatever the cockamamie reason, I didn't go see them. There was one show in particular. Um, I, I just, I don't, I can't for the life of me even remember why I didn't go. But, um, and then the, the you know, the, the the other show sold out so fast. And um, people were like, well, you could have got tickets in the seats. And I was like, yo, how are you going to rage against the machine in a seat? No thanks. <laughs> you know, like, I want to be on the floor going crazy, you know? And uh, so, and now it's canceled anyway. So, um, yeah. But, you know, I could put, like, Faith No More in there or something, but I've seen them enough times. They're definitely one of my all-time favorite bands, too. Um, but no, man, I appreciate the time, and uh, this is cool. And uh, looking forward to future guests you have on here. And definitely got to go and uh, check out all the other uh, ones that I haven't listened to. And this is cool, man. This is good. This is good for people to be able to do this stuff during this time. Keeps us Keeps us normal, you know? That concludes my interview with Jesse Moscato. 
Now we're going to check out one song from one of Jesse's bands before I have a couple of closing comments. The song is by Pure Heel and it's called Checking Out. up episode 15. I want to give thanks to a few people this episode. Thanks to Jesse Moscato for doing the interview, Rob Antonucci for all your help with the podcast, and my family for all the support. The next episode will feature an interview with Scott Vogel. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. See everyone real soon, and stay safe.